What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Random Redshirt Podcast. I am one of the hosts, Zach, and with me as always is Chris, the other host. What's up, buddy? Hello, Zach. Great to see you again, my great friend. Great to be here. Hello, everyone around the world, um, around the interwebs, and thanks for joining us. Yeah, this is, this is great. So um, we are here for episode number two of Star Trek Strange New Worlds, Ad Astra Per Espera to the Stars Through Difficulties. And we look forward to bringing you uh, another deep dive here as we continue on um, in season two of Star Trek Strange New Worlds. But before we get to that, if you have never listened to us before, or if you have, we do appreciate it as always. Uh, but uh, don't forget to head over to Instagram, Facebook, check us out there, follow us for upcoming announcements and uh, or funny memes, things that we post on there all the time. But that's really your best source to get latest announcements and um, upcoming guests and and. Uh, series reviews and all that kind of stuff that we talk about. So be sure to go there and check that out. Uh, if you are listening to us, you can find us also on YouTube for a video version of this. We have a, a lot of episodes on YouTube, but not all of our episodes. And if you're watching us on YouTube, um, we have many other ones that you recorded only in audio back in the day. So be sure to go check those out wherever you get your podcast, whatever your favorite podcast platform is. We are probably there. But that being said, Chris, um, yeah, we are we are jumping into episode number two of Strange New Worlds. I don't think in our first review, I don't think we did like we gave any kind of a um, one to five combat rating for the first episode. I was no, thinking we, about we that the other day. Yeah, I think that's okay though because I'm still I'm letting it all kind of settle and, and still think about it, right? So um, I'm still thinking about like yeah, what 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 I would review it because it's helpful. It's helpful for me to have all of the episodes together in context and you're kind of thinking about it as a whole too. So um, yeah, I, I totally think that's okay. It's all good. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No worries. I was just thinking about that. But that being said, um, yeah. before we get into the actual review of the episode, I thought, you know, it would kind of make sense. And I know we kind of talked about this before. So we thought it'd be a good idea to maybe kind of, bring back in some of the Star Trek episodes that are out there that deal with like trials and, and courts and things like that, because there actually are quite a few as I was doing some research, Chris, I found there's actually a lot more than I, than I had uh, remembered. Oh man. You, yeah. You totally like read my mind. Cause like, as I was thinking about this latest episode of strange new world, strange new worlds, I was thinking, that's right. It, it's, it's absolutely Star Trek. Cause there are so many trials throughout all of the all of the great different series of star trek so yeah well, we were talking oh, on the yeah. phone the other day and yeah. you brought that up and i was like you know we should we should go back and look look up some of the different you know episodes that have trials and courtroom scenes and so forth and kind of maybe briefly go go through those um to kind of get us ready for this episode and so we're just going to kind of really quickly run through uh some ones that we found uh and if you are thinking of some or there's an episode where there's some type of court or uh court martial or trial or inquiry or anything that we're missing please let us know in the comments below or hit us up on one of our social media pages uh but that being said chris we, we'll kind of start it out here in, in the original series we get the very first star trek court or trial right and that's the episode court martial obviously which is kind of uh appropriate given the name of the episode and that's where um Captain Kirk is wrongfully accused of the death of Lieutenant Finney, who I think was a red shirt, although don't quote me on that. <laughs> um, 
He, he might not have been. I, I don't remember off the top of my head. Maybe he was. Maybe he had a mustard gold. But but he, of course, it was also proven he's actually still alive. So it didn't happen. But um, that was a pretty intense, pretty intense episode. It was, and that was they were going through an ion storm, right? I believe it was something like that. And yeah, he was blamed. Captain the Captain Kirk was blamed for ejecting the pod, some, something like that. And um, so that I thought that was great. Spock was. Spock was Kirk's <clears throat> terrific advocate because Spock was like saying, no, Kirk could never make a mistake, a mistake like that. You know what I, yeah. I loved about that episode um, was, or is this kind of funny, where Captain Kirk is taking the stand and there's this long list of, <clears throat> they read about Captain Kirk and there's lo- this long list of awards and honors he's, he's gone on to, to, uh, to get in his career. I like, that was, that was kind of funny. Yeah, I mean, it's Kirk, right? He's yeah. one of the most distinguished, if not the most distinguished captain in Starfleet at the time. Yeah. So it kind of makes sense, right? Yeah. Um, w- w- what's the next thing uh, that we can we can look to as far as trials or, or, or courts in Star Trek? Yeah, so many trials, so many courts, but we've got a Klingon court. So not only do we have Starfleet courts, we get to see the breadth of different courts throughout, yeah. throughout, throughout the Star Trek galaxy. We've got a Klingon court uh, in Star Trek Six. There was that great court scene with uh, Kirk and McCoy. Kirk and McCoy, where they were tried for killing Chancellor Gorkon, and I believe their attorney was that was Worf, right? The grand, I think, it was like Grandf- a grandfather, some yeah. great grandfather, or something like that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It looked just like Michael Dorn because it was Michael, <laughs> Dorn. <laughs> Michael Dorn. So that that was a great one. Um, then we've got more. We've got plenty more. What else? What else do we have? Yeah, TNG was full of them. Uh, the first two, the first two that I can think of would be, of course, the pilot, right, from TNG, uh, and that is Encounter at Farpoint, where humanity is put on trial by Q, and it's the 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 trial has only just begun, right, um, or something something like that. Um, the second one that I, that I was I had thought of was one that we have mentioned several times in the podcast. One episode that I'm a big big fan of, and that is the episode of uh tng called the measure of a man and that's where data's sentient status is put on a trial and whether or not he is just a bucket of bolts that belongs to starfleet or whether he is legitimately a sentient life form who should be protected and have the same rights and privileges as anybody else in starfleet he doesn't he's not starfleet property he is his own sentient life form and um i have a feeling at some point down the road chris we'll have to do a deep dive of that episode because I think there is a lot to unpack in that episode, um, and it's certainly one of my favorite from the entire TNG series. Yeah, absolutely. That'd be a great opportunity to deep, deep dive in there. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Give yeah. Give us a couple more from from TNG. Yeah, TNG. Tons. We've got one with Worf, where he's tried for his father's sins and sins of the father. Yeah. Um, we had a really good one um, that I feel it's really good called the Drumhead. And so that's where they're looking for a possible saboteur aboard the Enterprise. Um, and we find out, uh, you know, they're accusing, you know, this is actually very, kind of very similar to the Strange New Worlds episode, but they're accusing an yeah. individual, a crewman named Simon Tar- um, Tarsus, I believe his name is, and Captain Picard, of being Romulan collaborators. collaborators. And, and Simon had lied on his application to the Federation, actually, about his, his ethnicity. So actually yeah because he's part romulan isn't he he's got some romulan Romulan in him Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. i think i i believe that he he pawns it off as being part vulcan right because they're very similar i want to say something like that yeah Yeah. that's a that's a great episode yeah picard actually has he has a great um 
he has just a, a great monologue monologue or, or a, um, a response to the opposing uh, attorney. I don't remember if she's an attorney or a judge, but what he says is, is, is beautiful. Um, we also have, uh, we've got the first duty. That's one where the cadets were questions during, during an inquiry uh, where they did some band uh, maneuvers. Um, and I saw those were like hot dog cadets, right? If I remember correctly, you know, when they were trying to. Yeah. And in other, fact, yeah. one, one of the characters is not Tom Paris, but it was played by a younger Robbie Duncan McNeil who yes. plays Tom Paris Voyager. And he's like the leader of this group. And they're supposed to be out doing maneuvers. I think it's around, I want to say it's around one of Saturn's moons, maybe, or, or Jupiter's moons. And there's an accident and the guy who was flying really shouldn't have been flying. Um, and they kind of pushed it anyways. And, and so, uh, Wesley Crusher, Cadet Crusher is involved in that. Yeah. And Picard and his mom are deeply disappointed by his decisions to lie about things and not talk about it. And then he has to kind of finally come free. And it's a, it's a very much a, uh, an idea of integrity and honor that it deals with in that episode. Yeah, that was great. Great point, Zach. Great point. Then we've got even a few in DS9, your favorite. You want to yeah. talk about some of the ones in DS9? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, with DS9, one uh, I actually watched in the last couple of months, uh, an episode called Tribunal, which kind of makes sense. And now we get a chance to actually see and not just hear about, but actually see the Cardassian process for uh, you know trying and convicting people. Because as we know from DS9, that the Cardassian... Uh, legal system is kind of more for show, right? Yeah. And that people are, they're they're basically predetermined, pre-tried, they're convicted, and it's all put on display in order to give the Cardassians, you know, hope and 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 trust in the justice system. And you know, it's all a charade, right? But O'Brien's tried and convicted for supposedly collaborating with the Maquis, and of course, yeah. you know, the Maquis and the Cardassians don't exactly see eye to eye. So there's that one. There's also an episode called Rules of Engagement. So Worf is back on trial again, <laughs> but this time not for his father. He's put on trial after destroying a civilian shuttle during an, the, some scuffle with the Klingons. And uh, whether or not, you know, he did it intentionally or whether it was, you know, an accident and all that stuff. And so it's a very interesting episode, especially because the prosecutor the, that's trying to get him convicted is also a Klingon. Um, and the man who's defending Worf. His counsel is Captain Cisco, so it's a very interesting episode. Uh, and you start to you see some more, you see more into the Klingon side of the legal system and how they see things. Because you don't, you don't, when you hear think Klingon, you don't initially think lawyer, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. Not exactly, you know, top of the list. So very interesting episode there. Okay, uh, next uh, there was one in particular I think we kind of both thought of when it came to Star Trek Voyager. Yeah, you know, this was we I think we we may have even talked about this. A while ago but this one called death wish where yep. you know where it's a hearing conducted for for someone with q within the q continuum uh and the right right for suicide essentially and so that was a very very i want to you know reflecting back on that was a heavy episode and a, a very critical one for q um in the q continuum so yeah you know that that was heavy um and then some others that just this refreshed my memory. Like in Enterprise, we had um, judgment. And so on that one, Archer was on trial for aiding the escape of some refugees. So we had that one. And looks like we even got some 
some trial episodes in some of the new series too. And this one I didn't know about at all. So but it looks like we did some some good research here. I haven't actually seen this episode, but we've got some trial episodes in Lower Decks too. So that one looks like Captain yep. Freeman is put on trial. What's up with this with all the captains being put on trial? <laughs> all right. I, it's almost like it's a rite of passage or something, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's And it's almost like, like a, it could be like a sub-series, like Star Trek Law and Order. Yeah. <laughs> or 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 uh what, what would it be what would it be like fcis federation scis yes. whatever yeah yes. what, what what of these many iterations of these of these law and order shows yeah law and order law and order starfleet or something yeah yeah for sure for sure that law and order starfleet that's good like yeah that. yeah hey that could be a future streaming show you never know uh myriad you know, marry the two together, have like some crossover action yeah. going on here, but yeah. Awesome. Um, yeah. Okay. So yes, there, there, there are a lot, we, we may have forgotten some, these are some of the ones that came to mind and ones that we kind of looked up. Uh, but in general, there's quite a few yeah. and there's a lot of, of, you know, law and, and, uh, judgment and trials and court martials and inquiries and hearings and all sort of crazy stuff going on in Star Trek. Um, but now let's turn our attention to what we're really here for, which is Star Trek Strange New World Season 2, Episode 2, Ad Astra Per Aspera, which is translated to the stars through difficulties, apparently, is what, what they we're told in the episode. Um, and for the second episode in a row, Chris, I don't know if you noticed this, but for the second episode in a row, we get very little Captain Pike again and a lot more other character building with these, you know, I don't want to call them supporting characters because Pike is not necessarily just the star of the show. I mean, I know he's a captain, but you know, you have other main characters too, like the other series. So I don't necessarily want to call them supporting characters, but I didn't exactly have the the best word to come up with this. So for the lack of better terms, I'll say supporting characters. We get a lot more of the additional, maybe the other bridge crew characters or the other main characters besides just the captain. I don't know if you noticed that, but I, this is two episodes in a row now where, where Pike has had not had a very big role in either episode. Yeah, I did notice, and I'm actually I'm glad that it was kind of like that, right? You get to you get to explore these different the characters and the personalities and the depth of each of these individuals that's on the bridge that makes up the makes up the unique uh, and kind of diverse and and this great collective collective of of the, <laughs> the Enterprise crew. Um, so I I think it's great that they did that, um, and I I felt I love the title, by the way. Um, through, uh, to the stars through difficulty at Astra per Aspera. Uh, I think it's beautiful. I love that title. And yeah. And I, I was thinking this episode was going to be um, mostly about number one, mostly about Una. I didn't know how, how you felt about two, but I thought, okay, this one's probably going to be about her because in episode one, you know, Pike, Pike was going to go, Pike left so he could go, uh, take care of her find out found out a way to take care of her so this makes sense that this was totally about her yeah and i know you know when we talked um at the very beginning uh of our review of season one uh, of sorry of, of season two episode one or at some point during the review we talked about some uh you know looking forward to the rest of the season right and i think we even talked about this at the end of our season one review maybe where we talked about some uh 
things that we're looking forward to, things that we, we have some kind of expectations for season two. I think one of the expectations was given the final episode of season one, which I believe was a quality of mercy. I think that was the final episode was yeah. that was the name of it. Um, we expected this to eventually happen, right? Because the season ends with Una being, you know, taken, you know, taken away um, in, in metaphorical cuffs, right? Uh, she's been arrested um, and taken away. So we knew this was coming. It's just a matter of when, and we're getting it very early on here in the second episode. Uh, and so, yes, I think this was, this was expected. Um, one of the questions I had when season one ended was how long are we going to have to wait before we see what happens to Una? Is she going to be in a Federation prison for a while? Like for several months before, you know, months as far as the time of the show before we get to see what happens to her. Do we have a trial that goes on for maybe a couple of episodes? Cause so far strange new worlds has had no two parters, mm -hmm. right? There've just yeah. been those individual episodic style. Yeah, you're right. And I think that it, I think the episodic style and the one part episodes essentially or the one episode stories has served it well. And I think that this was good that they pretty much went direct to exploring what happened to Una and Una's predicament and how she gets out early on in season two, you know, this episode two going directly there and let's Let's explore it. Let's find it. Let's find out. Let's take care of it. So I thought that that was good. I, I if it had drug yeah. out like a few more episodes, I think that probably for both you and I, we would have been talking about that. That might have bothered us a bit. Now, really quickly, just because it's on my mind. Mm -hmm. Do you think that Strange New World should stay away from doing any multi-part episodes and just be single episodes? Or should there be... But is there potential for there to be maybe a two-parter at some point or a multi-part episode at some point in this series, whether it's this season or a future season? Yeah, great question. I think they're okay if they decide to do a two-parter. Just like some of TNGs, there were a few parters. There there were a few two-parters in TNG as well. Um, and TNG, yeah. TNG was very much had standalone episodes throughout um, now probably in my opinion probably may they they should not do as many two-parters as voyager because voyager had a lot of different two-party two-parters uh, but voyager had some really good two-parters though we got it remember we talked about that yeah. in our review man boy voyager i will tell you for the they did a lot of but you're right but i think we we can agree that a lot of their two-parters are really fantastic they were fantastic yes yeah. So I think question. you're I think you're right, Chris. I think there's room for it, but but I'll be curious to see if they if they do any two parters, what that would be. Uh, for me personally, if I could choose, I would say the best idea, in my opinion, for doing a two parter would be something around the Gorn, right? Having that cliffhanger at, at the end of part one where like, oh, is this main character gonna die? Cause I mean they killed Hemmer off in season one, spoiler. Um, and so or or is the is the main character going to survive? Because we've seen that in Star Trek before, right? Where they tease like they're going to kill some main character off, and then of course they typically don't, usually. Um, so I could see maybe something something around the Gorn being a like a cliffhanging two parter. I agree with you. So, I think I know, think the we'll Gorn see. Gorn's a great opportunity. 
Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, yeah. let's jump into this. So, yeah. um, Chris, the beginning of this episode I found fascinating because we 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 jump into it with a flashback. Yeah, flashback with Una's childhood and looked like she had a broken leg and her parents are, um, you know, concerned because they don't want to take her to a doctor where they'll find out that she's Illyrian. Um, and so they, they have to get, get through that. So they're really concerned because she's developing or she had developed a, an infection there. And that would have been, um, you know, pretty dire for her uh, in, that, in that situation. So um, it was neat seeing Una's flashback. And to be my... Um, Maybe I wasn't paying attention close enough. So when I saw her parents, I, to be honest, I was like, okay, are, they, are those, are those her biological parents, um, or is she, is she an adopted like um child? And I was actually a little bit confused. So forgive me. Maybe I wasn't paying close close enough um, attention to the to the episode. But I had a little bit of confusion on that the background and and the Illyrian background. Well, she. Yeah, she doesn't make any hints that she was. I, I'm, I'm, I'm very confident that those were her biological parents. Gotcha. Uh, because she talks about stuff later on in the trial, right, and about how her and her family and everything like that. So she never mentioned anything about being adopted, as far as we know, or you know, whatever. So I, I'm very confident saying those are probably her biological parents. Gotcha. Which means they're Illyrian too. Gotcha. Gotcha. It does set the, it does kind of set the stage where. Uh, there's a lot of fear in there, right? That her family is a, so sets the stage that hey, they're they're pretty afraid if they get found out that they are Illyrian, um, that they're in big trouble. So that that's probably <clears throat> probably a very important part of the flashback. But we do get to after that flashback, we do get to shift and we see um, Captain Battelle again. So she she's back, um, and we see um, Una. So this was kind of an interesting seal, um, scene, right? We've, we've got uh, Captain Patel and we've got Una with her counsel and they're discussing a plea deal. The plea deal's pretty bad. I mean, it, it just sounds, it, it's pretty bad. I mean, you're gonna, the deal that Starfleet was offering Una was essentially, hey, we're going to let her go, but they're going to seal her records. Um, she's not going to have to serve any time, but she gets dishonorably discharged, which... Yeah, that's not, not. Yeah, good. I, I, um, the the very end of season one, I still wasn't sure, and then when we get into, um, season two, mm -hmm. now we're learning that uh, Pike's, uh, what would we say, friend with benefits, Captain mm -hmm. Battelle, mm -hmm. who we know had had a kind of a, a a romantic fling going on there in season one, right? In fact, I yes. think the, the first ep the first episode. It's the two of them, you know, and then she puts on her uniform like, oh, oh, OK, well, I guess she's a captain as well. You know, the captains have a they have a thing for each other. And at first you think, oh, what's well, is it his wife? And then, no, it's not because I don't think Pike ever was married. Um, and so we learn now that she is, uh, you know, part of the legal system. Right. She's part of the, the judge advocate general's office. So she's mm -hmm. a, a prosecutor or a lawyer of some kind. Um, so I found that interesting, but yeah, th this was, this plea deal, Chris, wasn't much of a deal, right? This was basically, yeah. Hey, you won't go to prison, but we're literally going to erase the existence of your service in order to, you know, 
what you may colloquially call CYA, right? Cover mm -hmm. your arse. In this case, Starfleet is covering themselves because they don't want anything to get out that they had a genetically modified person serving in Starfleet, yeah. which I find fascinating <laughs> because in the future in DS9, who else has to come to the, the aid of a certain Starfleet officer to cover his tracks? Um, although slightly different situation, but you think of Dr. Bashir, right? Yeah. And now the difference was Bashir's parents uh, modified him genetically when he was younger. He had no say in it, right? Um, because he wasn't keeping up in school and they want to make him smarter so he'd do better in school. And so his parents took the fall for him, but he was still able to stay in Starfleet and serve. Una, it's part of their culture, right? To 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 do this, this genetic modifications and stuff. Um, I, I, I doubt she had much of a choice, but it wasn't to make her smarter or it wasn't to give her an advantage. It was because of who they are as Illyrians, it was part of who they are. So yeah. similar but different with respects to what Bashir went through. I was thinking about Bashir as well um, throughout, particularly at the end of the episode. Yeah. Uh, when then to jump around a little bit, particularly at the end of the episode when we're thinking about, hey, is there the potential that they're going to change the Starfleet codes and, and laws. Um, and as, you know, as that was happening, I was thinking, um, you know, about Bashir and that, hey, Bashir got in a lot of trouble. Um, and, and, you know, he, that affected kind of his service in Starfleet and certainly affected how people felt about him um, in Starfleet as well, as well as his, as his uh, professional future. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that 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 was that was pretty interesting. The the Illyrians, I don't know how you felt about it, but I, I know so little. It seems like it seems like I know so little about the Illyrians, but I feel like I should know more, but I don't. Mm. <laughs> so that, that was that that was interesting. And but yeah, they sure do a lot of genetic manipulation. I think what is Una's is she stronger? Is that I'm trying to Reflect back to. Some... Uh, I believe it's it's it it goes along the lines of um uh um it goes along the lines of of being able to uh, heal mm. heal herself is some of that. Um, I will say, uh, we, we don't get much from the Illyrians. Uh, they I believe they were actually first introduced in Star Trek Enterprise. Oh, so okay, they're. Uh, there was an episode, uh, an episode of Enterprise called Damage, and that's where the Enterprise is damaged by a recent battle with uh, by the recent Battle of Azadi Prime. It's assisted and repaired uh, by an Illyrian ship that's been uh, that have been disabled by an anomaly field. You know, looking at Memory Alpha, it's talking about how uh, Enterprise helped the Illyrians in turn, but they were unwilling, however, to trade their warp coil because. Not having it would mean a three-year journey home, needing the warp coil in order to save Earth from the Zindi, blah, blah, blah. And so that's really all we get. We don't get anything else. Okay. Um, so so really, you're not missing much here, Chris, because the Illyrians, there's not much known prior to Strange New Worlds. Okay. Okay, that's good. Because we have Pike travel. So Pike is traveling to the planet with the Illyrians on, and so... You know, looking for a lawyer for for Luna, and that's where we see it. And so it's interesting because he goes to the planet, and it's not the planet's not exactly uh, hab habitable for 
you know, human life. So he's got to wear his, his mask, but the the Illyrians don't. Um, but he gets to talk to the lawyer eventually, the lawyer, eventually Nira, um, to get her help. And, you know, they, they get oxygen and into the, the room. So, so that, that was, I get confused a little bit. Again, I, I know we don't know a lot about the Illyrians, but I get confused on their background because they obviously have like a, some sort of relationship or history with humans. Um, and the, they're aware of like the biological needs that, that humans have. So, you know, that's interesting. And there's there's obviously a, a, a good amount of knowledge that Starfleet has about the Illyrians. So that, yeah, you know, that's kind of interesting. interesting well, too. and if you think about it too, there's about a hundred years between when enterprise meets them and when we are in strange new worlds ish. Right. So mm-hmm. there's enough time. I think you could make that argument that, okay, the Federation learned enough about them and everything. Yeah, I did. Um, I did like the scene where Pike is, Pike is trying to get to see the lawyer. Yeah. And so, so he's told, Hey, she's busy. She's busy. He's like, Oh, I'll wait. I'm fine. I'll wait. And his oxygen is running out. So I'm waiting. Yeah. That was pretty funny. He's like, I'll wait. He's like, mm. yeah, he's like, he, he, you know, he's being stubborn, right? I mean, he's like, he's not, he's not taking no for an answer. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's very evident as this episode goes on that, that, that stubbornness pays off. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But that was a but, good scene. Yeah. Good scene with Nira. Yeah. And, 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 you know, Pike's urging her to help and, and we don't know this at the time, but Nira clearly has some sort of past history with Uno. And so Nira is not on board with the idea of helping at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but Pike says, Hey, we need, I need you, you know, you're, you're one of the best, one of the best in the galaxy. And um, on top of that, then maybe you can bring awareness. I think he mentioned specifically, you could bring awareness to some of the other cases against the Federation that you have worked on in order to gain an ally you know, at some point with Starfleet. So there's certainly some sort of, you know, he's trying to appeal to her personally, right? I think yeah. that's that's kind of where we, uh, you know, what makes the most sense. Um, but yeah, so it, it's very clear, though, that, that Nira's past with Una um, wasn't necessarily a good one, right? Yeah. Uh, Nira shows up at Una's cell and she's like, look, I don't want to hear all this long drudging story from you. Just just give it to me straight. You know, tell me tell me the short the short version. So Una kind of goes on and explains things. And and Nira can't understand why she don't take the deal. You know, yeah. why she won't take the deal and avoid prison. And, you know, I think Una's at the point now where she's like, you know what? I- I'm tired of hiding. Yeah, I'm tired of hi- hi- hiding who I am. I'm tired of hiding being an Illyrian. We know that the personal issues aren't resolved yet, but but thankfully for especially for Una's sake, that uh, Nira does indeed take the case, um, to help to help Una, knowing that hey, that taking this case could give her a platform, right, to bring awareness to the fact that the Illyrians are are not welcome, you yeah, know, the way they should be within the Federation. Yeah, yeah. So it was good to see them back. Um, in the same room, like near, well, actually, it was the first time we had seen them in the same room near a, yeah. near, near, you <laughs> know, but, but it was good to see that, uh, kind of introduction of the two and the uncomfortableness 
that obviously was there uh, between them since since they had a lot of past history. Um, so I I thought that both the act actresses played that well. So that that was both 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 good. Um, I really like the scene that comes afterward. I want to see how you like it as as well. But this is where because essentially Una accepts Nira as her her counsel. So she Una rejects that plea deal, um, and that certainly does not make Captain Patel very happy about that because you know Captain Patel worked hard to get that plea deal. So yeah, she stuck her neck out there. And I think the only reason she did is because of her relationship and whatever that relationship is with Captain Pike and it's Captain Pike's first officer. And and I think she has an idea and knows how important Una is to him. Yes. So she is not happy and she goes to Pike. And so Pike is cutting up his, his food. He's preparing his meal. (laughs) And so they have, they have some words. Um, I want to see how you feel because I, I really like Pike's uh, reaction. You know, it's not. I thought Pike just went straight. Straight to the heart of the matter. And um, this is this was such something that Captain Pike would say. And this just kind of encapsulates his character. But I want to see how how you really feel about it. I really liked it. So so how did you like it? Yeah, I I, I definitely did. This scene was great. Um and they're talking about, I think, I think, uh, Captain Patel says something about, you know, she broke the law or whatever, right? She's, you know, she's, um, she's not adhering to the law, uh, and that Captain Patel basically says, "Look, I get it. You're angry, you know, whatever." She says, uh, "She's like, but, but I did my absolute best and did everything I could to try to get her the absolute minimum punishment, which in this case, in this plea deal." is no jail time, but that means that your services, everything you've done in your career, it, you know, as far as on paper means nothing. It's gone. It, it, it didn't happen. It doesn't exist, right? They're going to seal her records. Yeah. Uh, and so that's, they're, 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 they're cleaning the slate. And um, the, the line, and I don't remember exactly how he phrases it, Chris. So, so correct me if I'm wrong here, Yeah. but, but, uh, this is probably my favorite line of the episode. This is where Pike says, um, "But, but, but, what if the law is wrong?" You or, got or, it. Yeah. Or, 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 or does he say the the? He either says the law is wrong, or what if the law? I thought he'd question it. Like, what if the law is wrong? I think you got it. Is that what he said? Something like that. Yeah, I think you got it. Um, and he he just doesn't understand why Una was even arrested in the first place. Which, you know, he he knew that that her revealing herself as an Illyrian made things illegal for her. You know what I mean? Like he knew, I think he knew. Um, well, we, we know, we know he, we know he knew. Does that mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, we're authentic here, people. That's we are. one thing we'll say. Um, but yeah. What, what were your thoughts about his line? What did you think when he, when he, when he shot that out? Like you said, he went straight for the jugular, right? Instead of instead of saying, yeah, Una was wrong, you know, but we need to get her out of this. It was what if the what if the law's wrong? What are your and thoughts? I that hit me. So he's it was a good it was a good moment. I think it was very dramatic in that particular scene. Um, and that really affected me. What if the law is wrong? Because that hit the core of the episode. And not that not that a lot of the uh, monologues 
later on in the episodes were not beautiful because they were. I think they were, you know, very, very um, articulate and very well spoken and great. But Pike just that was the distilled version, and at that point, it causes us to think, what if the law is wrong? And because laws are created by um, individuals and created by um, people and the imperfectness of people, we're going to have laws that are wrong. And so this was such a great, that's what's like you say, Zach, this is what Star Trek does like a lot through all of these, all of their episodes. Are, this was such a great and a classic way for Star Trek to question that. And so this is the, the episode where Strange New Worlds gets to explore that and have its own trial, you know? Yeah, th- yeah, this this is the pinnacle of Star Trek, right? I mean, you know, Star Trek, when they talk about, you know, boldly going, right, and seeking out new life and new civilizations and all this stuff, boldly going doesn't necessarily mean that we have to visit a new planet every week. It doesn't mean we have to have new aliens and go on these big battles and adventures all the time. Sometimes boldly going means going to places and talking about things that are uncomfortable and difficult to talk about. That's right? Beauty. That's beautiful. <laughs> I mean, that that's how I look. That's how I look at it as an adult. Back when I was a kid, it's like, yeah, we're going to see aliens and, and ships and space battles and stuff like that. But looking at it now from a perspective at, at almost, you know, I won't say my age, but I'm, you know, older. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, it's, it's this idea that uh, boldly going means we do go to these certain places we not just different places in the galaxy but different places in in um challenging things and talking about things and discussing things that are difficult star trek's always talked about difficult topics and unfortunately i must say this unfortunately people don't necessarily want to have these difficult conversations anymore Mm -hmm. you know um people don't like to have discussions with somebody who views things differently than they do um, and so I think that's I think that's unfortunate because when you have good discussion and when you have civil and 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 you know adult conversations and civil civil debates, that's what spurns new ideas. That's how we improve. That's how we move forward. So, just my two cents. No, <laughs> Zach, that is beautiful. Is it okay? Can we continue? I want to continue this conversation because yeah, <laughs> so, absolutely. So, so I'm so I'm sorry. We might might get sidebar. Sidebar to, uh, no, sidebar this, this, a little this, yeah. this is kind yeah. of this is kind of the central theme of this episode, yeah. right? Yeah. So um, there's a, a few things. There's a beautiful, beautiful quote by Bruce Lee, and it's short, uh, but I loved it. And he says, um, "All knowledge is ultimately self knowledge." And so, so all knowledge that you gain right through through exploration of of the stars uh, ad astra. Um, through the stars, through difficulty, all knowledge that we gain through that is ultimately a reflection of ourselves and knowledge and a deeper understanding that we get. And the uh, and I had just watched Ad Astra, Ad Astra with Brad Pitt, and I re- I really uh, loved I really yeah. loved that movie because it was such a it was a deeply personal movie, and it was um, it's not for everybody, but he was he was learning to understand himself, you know, as in his search for his father on the other side of the solar system. But the the episode with uh, with Q and the trial of humanity, and and that end trial in all all good things. Yeah, which we didn't list in that episode uh, in that right. list, but we probably should have, right? Because uh, there's part of a trial again. Right, but that the end, um, 
when Q is leaning forward to Picard and whispering to him, he says the greatest exploration is something to the fact the greatest exploration is not out there, it's, it's within. And I, I loved, I love that. So what you said, Zach, is just, is just beautiful. And this uh, it reminded me of all, all of those things and those kinds of you know, beautiful quotes and the beautiful parts of, of Star Trek that I like because it's just an analogy for, for graining, gaining a deeper, deeper self-knowledge. Yeah, and a little bit of a lighthearted moment here when I'm thinking when I'm thinking of he said, is the law wrong? I'm waiting for <laughs> Sylvester Stallone to bust through the door and go, I am the yes. law. And the yeah. law is never right. I don't know. A little judge dread action there is what I was I was waiting for. We need some uh, of that. Yeah. Yeah, that would be uh, that'd be epic. Cause I was thinking about that law right in the scenes. And some people don't like that movie. I love the movie. Mm-hmm. I, it's I love it for what it is, right? Yeah. It's like 66 Batman, these other things. I love them for what they are. And so, um, yeah, I thought that I was waiting for Judge Dredd to bust through and go, <laughs> I am the law. It's never run. And then Pike look over and go, actually, I think it is. But anyways, uh, yeah, no, yeah. it's it, it, it that line, that that question that he asks, I think beautifully encapsulates the central theme of this episode as a whole. And we can get kind of kind of come back around to this, too, at the end. But, yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's. I think there's something mentioned towards the end, right in in the courtroom scene, where somebody says that that laws are are created typically created with good intentions or something like that. Yeah, uh, I can't remember if it's Nira or if it's if it's one of the one of the the judges up there or whatever. Um, but uh, you know, we we can come back to that later. But yeah, you know, yeah. moving forward, Chris, we look at this. So, uh, you know, N- Nira kind of kind of talks to Una and says, you know, you, you you're not exactly making things easy for Starfleet here, right? <laughs> because by not taking their plea deal, now they have to take you into trial, right? And and by taking you into trial, they're not gonna. It's not gonna be as easy as it had easier as it had been had you taken the plea deal. Now they're gonna want to hang you up by your britches and make an example of you. Yeah. Um. And so. I found this interesting, Chris, because I think you see this in a lot of of movies and shows that deal with the court and with trials and stuff, whether it's things like Law and Order or <laughs> move or movies like A Few Good Men, things like that, uh, where Una wants to take the stand herself. Yeah. And kind of, you know, be able to speak for herself, let her record speak for itself, because she's got a really good record, by the way. She's got a, a an impeccable Starfleet record. Uh, but her her counsel Nira uh, doesn't exactly think that's a good idea, and so Nira's like, no, 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 sorry. Like, we if we're if I'm doing this, I'm gonna help, if I'm gonna help you, we're doing this my way. Yeah. Right. And so that's when we get the transition from 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 the two of them together discussing in that that room to Nira then beaming up to the Enterprise uh, to gather evidence. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Um, and it's interesting, like in that kind of, um, in the process of Nira trying to gather evidence, um, we get some of Leon too. Um, in Leon. Oh, yes, we do. Right. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> we got, we get, yes, we do. We do. Leon's kind of, um, so these were really good scenes with Leon, right? Cause Le- Leon is, um, concerned about how, how did Starfleet um, learn that Una was Illyrian? And so, you know, we find out later in the episode that 
uh, Leon's concern that you know, perhaps it was one of her personal logs that was leaked out where Starfleet found out about that. But, but in Leon's kind of uh, attempt to find this out, we get some really great scenes and perspective of Leon because Leon cares very, very deeply for Una. Leon would not be alive uh, without Una. And yeah, and Una's a mentor, right? Yeah, yeah. Una's a mentor. And I, I did really like the scene where Leon is asking Uhura uh, to do some investigation and some scans of the ship's communications, including personal logs. And that back and forth where, and this, this you have to have a lot of respect for, for Uhura, the back and forth between Uhura and Leon where you know, Uhura is essentially saying, hey, no, you can't do this. You're going to get in trouble. You need to find a different way. I can't do this for you. Um, and it's not that Uhura didn't understand. She she understood what Leon was trying to do, but uh, she kind of saved Leon, actually. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I, that that was a bold move. Bold move by by uh, by uh, um, uh, Uhura. And in fact, I'm pretty sure. Leon actually calls her by her first name as as almost to oh, um, yeah. appeal to her, you know, the personal side of it yeah. and say, you know, help me out, Nyota or whatever, whatever the line was. And she's like, I, I, I can't do it because then I would be violating, you know, a law or whatever in order to help you violate it. And I, I can't do that. So you see some significant um, integrity for a young ensign who was just a cadet not that long ago, right? And 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 telling this superior officer, like, no, this is an unlawful order. I, I can't follow it. And Leon and and so I think in the end, Leon very much respects her for that. Yeah, you're um, right. You hit that. That was a great word, integrity for Uhura. Um, you hit that right on. So that was that's absolutely great. Yeah, and, and actually it's interesting too, because you know, um Leon uh showed up to Una's quarters where Nira had gone to use her room as a, as a work area and said that she thinks somebody may have illegally accessed uh, some evidence that that's being used against Una. And so she thinks she has a way of getting that, which is then what leads her to Uhura to try to get these personal logs, trying to figure out that did, did somebody get a hold of the personal logs and then send them, Starfleet, like how did this happen and everything? And so that's then where we cut to um Captain Battelle um on the Starbase uh with, with Pike and asking him if he's upset about not being uh you know added to the witness list. And and you know, I think I think that you know obviously it was the right call because it had they brought Captain Pike in, you know, what what Captain Battelle basically says is, is if, hey, look, if you're put on that stand and you're questioned about when you found out that Una was an Illyrian and you hid that and you knew about it and you hid it and you covered it up, now it becomes a trial about you, which leads to a court martialing you. And then this is domino effect, potentially also impacting your crew. And so now you have Captain Battelle, who's literally on the opposite side, right? Who's looking out not only for Pike and his crew, but also trying to – she's trying to make everything work, right? She's trying to make this thing work to, to get the best outcome. I mean, I will I will say, 
hats off from from me to Captain Battelle for trying to do what she felt was the right thing while also trying to enforce the 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 rule the 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 rule of the land, right? The rule of the law and and do her job. So I would say um you know, maybe she shouldn't have said some of the things she said to Pike and other people, but I think in general, she's trying to find that balancing piece between the personal relationship sides of things and doing her job. So I, I don't know how you felt, Chris, but I would, I would tip my cap to her because I think she's trying to do what's right by the law and what's right by her friendships. I super, I super liked Captain Patel. Um, so, and it's kind of, it was, this was a really smart move to have actually to have Pike on the sidelines essentially yeah because he's he's kind of an observer on this whole thing he can't really do much so but a really really smart move to have him there on the sidelines because it's kind of minimizing uh, his presence in the episode and in the trial and giving like we said earlier a chance for the other main characters to be fleshed out more and to participate more in the episode and to give yeah. more thoughts and in character made uh captain battelle another part that i really you have to really feel for the awkwardness of her situation she's oh yeah yeah right she's actually in a terrible situation she has a relate you know she has this relationship a very positive one with pike uh, she understands all of the positive things that una has done as a starfleet officer but yet in her job, in Captain Patel's job, now she must do something about uh, Una. And it's not a pleasant thing at all, but she has to do it, um, and, which she does. But I really liked her because like, if you notice, like near the end of the episode, as, as Nira, Nira is giving her defense arguments and she's, Nira is articulating the defense of Una, you see the expression on Captain Patel, Patel's face as she hears what Nira is saying and she's, you know, she's internally, she's beaming and she's smiling because she's going, yeah, Nira's, Nira's right. And yeah, she starts smirking too. I think, yeah. yeah like she, she's like, wow. She's like this, the, you know, she's, she's hitting it right on the head. She knows, she knows she's right. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. So I really liked that about Captain Patel actually, because I, I feel that up until that moment, right. Captain Patel was, is likely like an exemplary officer and a captain and she'd be doing she has been doing uh, a great job in her duties with starfleet and is great on in enforcing the law the current starfleet law um but this episode was helpful and helpful in understanding pike's perspective at the end in what if the law is wrong? Because there is there is right according to the law, and there is there is right regardless of what the law says. Um, so I think that yeah. you know probably helped Captain Patel. That's I a really, good point. Yeah, I like her. Yeah, yeah, that's good. I, I I do too. And and I thought that was interesting that 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 Pike reveals that he gave a speech at Una's graduating class at the academy, and. <laughs> meeting her when she came up to discuss some mistake he'd made you know what i mean <laughs> yeah so yeah that was a cool little tie back right because you up to this point we don't i don't think we really know how they met initially right i yeah. don't think that was ever mentioned in season one was it i don't i don't think so yeah yeah and of course it wasn't mentioned in the cage 
so uh that i'm aware of um maybe i'm not remembering that's been a long time since <laughs> i watched the cage we should probably go back and watch that again and just refresh our memory um because it does have ties to the show but okay so we shift to the next scene chris mm-hmm. and I-, I thought this this next scene was a great little comedic relief from some of the heaviness of the episode where dr mbenga and lieutenant ortegas are eating on i think on the station yes and uh they're they're very very closely watching uh the body language between spock and uh the vulcan admiral i think it's pasolic or something like pasolic pasolic vice admiral pasolic yeah i think so, so the the vulcan admiral um i thought this was a really funny scene <laughs> they're just sitting across the table staring at each other um and I, well there's a little bit of talk going a little on, bit of dialogue yeah, there yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. And Embega uh, Embega says Embega says something like, "Yeah, this is. Can you feel? Can you feel the tension between them?" <laughs> you know? And her take is like, "What's going on?" Like she's, she's like, "What are you talking about?" Like yeah. they're they're pals, they're buddy buddy, right? Yeah. And then and afterwards, Spock comes to them and he says, "He's essentially apologizing. I'm sorry that you guys had to witness my outburst." <laughs> what What I loved was yeah. was how he's like. He's he's the he's the one he's the one acquaintance or friend of my father who 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 um makes uh, uh brings out the worst in me brings or something things like that and you're like wait a second how did you get that but clearly Doctor Mbenga's a little bit more in tune with Vulcan body language than yes. uh, Ortega's is but I thought that was a really really funny scene really yes. funny and and definitely uh, well placed in the episode yeah it was yes you're right it was well placed because it get there's some release of tension there yeah. Yeah, as we got ready for the actual trial, so which, right. which was which was important. Um, and the trial, this is, was an observation, but uh, I really loved the set design for the trial. Yeah, uh, the reminded you of a court. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. They had these Some similarities there. Yeah, the background they had these. Uh, I don't think they were paintings. I, I'll have to see it again, but they they had this great fake great background. Um, beautiful set design, and I think you you commented on the dress uniforms too, right? Beautiful dress design, beautiful dress uniforms. Yeah, yeah. So that that was uh, that was great. But we get the beginning of the trial, then we get a little bit more background on the laws against uh, genetic modification and genetic manipulation, and that they're in place to protect people. And we've got Captain Patel to kind of deliver that and give give some summary on that. Um, did you notice real quick, Chris? Did you notice uh, uh, who one of the admirals up in the front there? Like, I guess they're judges or whatever. Uh, who one of those admirals was? Okay, one of them looked really familiar. So one of the judges, uh, admirals up in the front, uh, was a Tellarite. Yes. The weird looking pig face looking thing and and that that was a tellerite. We don't see a lot of tellerites, right? We got a lot of tellerites in Enterprise, right? Yeah. And uh and, and in Toss, we got the Tellerites for the first time, obviously. But the Tellerites are one of the founding members of the Federation. Yes. So I think it was I think that was great as like a it's not I wouldn't say an Easter egg, but it's it's uh I think it was great to see them incorporating. I mean, again, we don't see them very often. We don't see we don't see Andorians or Tellarites all that often in Star Trek. Out, I mean, Enterprise had the most of it, 
but uh, and, and then toss but i mean the other series we don't see a whole lot of them especially mm-hmm. tellerite so i thought it was great that they brought in a founding member of the federation a founding species of the federation in and it's an admiral on on the uh on this uh, particular trial, it would have been nice to have, uh, for the uh, Tellerite to have had some lines, but uh, I thought that was kind of neat that they had that. I agree with you. Yeah, that was awesome that they had a Tellerite. Uh, maybe we'll get some more Tellerite uh, major characters in the future. That would be interesting. I-, I would like to see some Andorians too, right? I mean, again, yeah. these are, the, the, and these are two species, as we know from Enterprise, that hated each other. They were at war, war with each other, it seemed like all the time. They didn't trust each other. Uh, and so, um, you know, It'd be cool to keep to, to keep bringing that back in, and with the the time period that Strange New Worlds is in, I think it could be very easy to bring that bring those folks in. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I Sorry, I know that was a little right. bit of a sidebar, but I just, I was thinking about that as you're describing the court scene. Yeah. Right, and the and the layout. I was thinking, yeah, that there's we had a Tellerite admiral, which I think was awesome. I don't think we've ever seen a Tellerite admiral, and I'm trying to think how many Tellerites we've even seen in Starfleet in Starfleet uniforms. I don't know that How I can many? even think of one. Yeah, I don't even know if I can think of one. There may have been one in the background on some episode, some random place somewhere that someone's like, oh, you forgot about this. You're right, I did. <laughs> but it was cool to see that, right? Especially in a high position, like in an admiral position. Yeah, bring in some more Tellarites. My two cents in there, yeah. That's good. Did you notice the um, the memory cartridge when they started the the trial? It was like one of those those memory disks that was similar to Toss. Yeah. So. That was a nice touch. Yeah, it was a nice touch. I mean, they have to, right? Because that's that's how Toss was. So you have to you have to bring that bring that stuff in. I mean, yes, we already know some of the touchscreen display stuff and everything else. It's much more advanced looking than Toss was, of course, because they're different eras. We know. We yeah. It's just that's just part of you know making TV shows and movies in different eras, I guess. But yeah, yeah. But so, nice touch. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So we 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 get that court scene right. Very beautiful. Nice looking area, the Judge Advocate General symbol on the back wall, right? The Starfleet Command and everything. And um, I, I really liked this touch, Chris, where Captain Patel brings up a certain certain event, certain significant event or events that happened in Earth's past, which led to them creating these laws against genetic um, manipulation or genetic modification. Yeah, you're talking about the eugenics wars. Yeah. Yeah, I feel that there's so much more that we could learn from the eugenics wars. I I don't. Did you say that? Are they in a series of books? Maybe. Yes. Like, yeah. There are okay. some books around the eugenics wars. Okay. Uh, I have not read them. I've heard they're good. I have not read them though. I pro- should be on my list of things to read in the future for sure. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I think you're right. I think it, I think we're 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 in that era before they find. Khan on the Botany Bay, right? Because yeah. Kirk hasn't found him yet. He's not the captain of the Enterprise yet. So there's a lot we could learn, whether it's the past, Leon's past, and we get to we get to see a little bit of this, a little bit more of this in this episode and learn a little bit more about it. Um, but I think you're right. I think there's a lot we could learn, and I hope they continue to integrate this stuff into the show. Yeah, actually, I was thinking the same thing, exactly what you just said, integrate more of it into the show, because I think we are... Uh... I mean, it's in terms of how we are now in our actual society and our technology, you know, we're, we're bioengineering and exploring all of the bioengineering possibilities and, um, and DNA manipulation and DNA modifications. You know, those are those things and those ideas are being 
um, explored and kind of advanced as far as we can right now in science. So having some of these topics kind of explored in Star Trek and in science fiction, I think very timely. Very, it'd be very, very good things to, to do. And, and eugenics wars could be just a great platform to explore all, all kinds of things associated with it. And there's another, there's a movie that deals with this. It was made several, many years ago now with Arnold Schwarzenegger called The Sixth Day. Yeah. And I believe it deals with genetic modification and cloning in particular. Um, and, uh, you know, like there's a scene in the movie where they're called Repet, where if your pet dies, you just go down and, and they, they clone it and make you a new one, like as if it never died and all this mm -hmm. stuff. And um, so it deals with that too. And I think that movies like that, and stuff like the eugenics wars are definitely closer. We're closer to that than I think we care to admit. I agree. I think there's there's another movie that came out in the 90s, Gattaca. And I think, yep. I think Gattaca talks about that, right? I think that's a major yeah. part of Gattaca. And uh, yep. um, I think they're seeking uh, perfection. Yeah, some, this is this is a while ago. I'm thinking maybe, maybe we... Maybe you watch it. This is perfect. We could discuss this as a future episode, but perfect, you know, perfection in, uh, in humanity. And, and if you've got in, if there's an imperfection within you, then that's a problem. Yeah. It's, it's, it's this idea that we've seen throughout science fiction for since science fiction has been around basically. And it's the idea of playing God, right? The idea mm -hmm. of, of monkeying with things that we probably shouldn't be monkeying with. Um, because there's always, always, negative consequences i think you all you see this in every one of these sci-fi movies that the the uh, negatives grossly outweigh the positives when it comes mm -hmm. to doing this kind of stuff and the eugenics wars is a prime example of that in star trek mm -hmm. right where they built made these super soldiers they rose up and tried to take over the earth before they were defeated mm -hmm. and then they're shipped off on the sleeper ship in the botany bay as their punishment um and so I find that, and I also find it interesting that they weren't, that they didn't, you know, kill them. They didn't just straight up, you know, kill them. I guess maybe they would have thought it was genocide or something, but um, regardless, that this this episode is opening up kind of a can of worms Yeah. when it comes to this topic, right? And and because this 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 is not the first time Star Trek is addressing this, but it's addressing it maybe in a little bit more of a unique way. Right. It's it's instead of just saying, oh, it's illegal. You can't do that like they did with Bashir. Mm -hmm. It's addressing the fund, the fundamentals, the foundations of the Federation, which is one of its laws, one of its codes. Right. Which is this idea of genetic manipulation. Mm -hmm. So I do. I definitely mm -hmm. think it's 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 not breaking any new ground with a topic, but it's certainly, I think, maybe breaking ground in the way in which it addresses the topic a little mm -hmm. bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be interesting, you know, what happens in the next, in our real lives, you know, what may happen and may be becoming the next 10 years with, with our own medical advancements. And then how we look back on this particular episode. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah when I have more gray hair. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> just, well, I haven't been to work in a while. Uh, I, I took some time off. And so I, I have some facial hair here and one side of my face over here, like the whole patch is just all white. I'm like, Oh gosh, there's something wrong with that. No, man, we're getting younger. Like I say. Yeah. And I, I'm still waiting for that, Chris, but anyways, <laughs> uh, 
so yeah, th- this uh, this actress, uh, I can't remember how to pronounce her name, who plays Nira, was absolutely amazing. I thought I thought she did a, a fantastic job. You know, when she's in the in that courtroom and she's doing this trial, and she really commands the room. I think she really takes charge, and she has a certain presence to her, um, which I thought was great. Very well cast um, for this particular role, um, but. I also found it interesting, Chris. So when Captain Battelle brings Admiral April, Robert April, in and starts questioning him, you notice that he kind of totes the, the 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 company line here a little bit, right? He says, "Look, yes, I sponsored her application to the academy, and you know he's very he's very openly honest about how great of an officer he thinks she is, and yada yada yada." And so then Captain Battelle has to kind of pull out the big guns here, and she's like. Yeah, but the question is, had you known about her being an Illyrian and having these genetic modifications, would you have sponsored her? And he ha- he pauses there for a little bit, and and then I think she asks him again, maybe, and then eventually says, "Yeah, no, no, I I I I guess I wouldn't have, or you know, or not. I guess he said, no, I wouldn't have sponsored her. So that's a that's a big kick to the kick to the face a little bit, right? For the um, I think for the hopes at this point in the trial, yeah, that you have a very decorated, very well decorated, very well respected admiral who's saying, "Hey, I sponsored the academy, but if I had known, I wouldn't have." That's a big blow if you're the defense counsel in this case. Yeah, and you see that expression. I think we get we get to see the expression on Una's face, and so that was kind of heartbreaking for her to hear that, right? Yeah. Um, maybe another interest. Another interesting question that Nira could have asked Admiral April was, "Do you do you regret sponsoring her?" No. Oh, um, yeah. You know. Yeah. That's you know, true. I don't know. If, I don't know if they're allowed to ask questions like that. Um, but yeah, yeah, that'd be be interesting because Una certainly with Una's admit uh, Una being admitted into Starfleet, Una saved a lot of lives that's absolutely a way that you could look at it too yeah um, that's but, true but you're right like i mean how else is he going to answer some of those questions well he's <laughs> yeah, under yeah, oath right yeah, because right. if he if he says i still would have sponsored her knowing she was that way well now yeah. it looks like okay he would have he would have broken the law too you know so right in a sense the question that's asked by captain battelle to admiral april is a no-win situation, right? It's the Kobayashi Maru type mm-hmm. of question in this situation. Um, he's backed into a corner, and he has to answer, you know, ig- exactly a certain way, because if he doesn't, then now things are going to look bad on him, and now maybe they're going to start questioning him, and it's a, it's a domino effect, really. There, there, there's It's a horrible question for him, because he doesn't have a choice in how he answers if he wants to maintain a semblance of a career, I guess. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I did, though, like, Chris, I did like how Nira cross-examines him, though. Yeah, um, because Nira brings in this whole other important argument, right? So she's, she's saying, okay, you're, you're, you're in Starfleet, you're a captain, you're an admiral, you're following all these rules. And then she brings, out, she brings up the, one of the most or the most important rule of all that Starfleet has, General Order Number 1. And I like how she goes, what's, what is, what's the other name for general order number one? 
she might say it. She's otherwise known as the prime directive. Yeah. 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 And then, and then goes to cite several examples where he <laughs> disobeyed the prime directive. Right? Yeah. So, well, yeah. uh, I, I love the point she's making too, right? She's like, okay, so you can break the literally the number one rule. Yeah. But, but, but when it comes to this, this is a no go. And, and they're all like, well, this guy, the, the, I think, I think it was the, I was it, was it Captain Patel or was it one of the, one of the, the, the judges that is like, hey, he's not on trial. Yeah. He's not on trial, <laughs> you know, and, 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 she, and she's, you know, she's, but she's trying to make a point. I think you're right. She's trying to, to bring across the idea of if they, the captain, if these people can do this, why is this become, the the straw that breaks the camel's back right why is this this such a big injustice compared to what general order number one and how many times it's been broken yeah yeah i mean she's saying hey starfleet are you being you've got these high ideals starfleet but you're not acting to them um you know and are you being disingenuous with it so calling out starfleet right there and yeah, yeah definitely definitely the judges didn't like that <laughs> No, 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 no. That that was that didn't go down very well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that was that that was good. We do get um, several witnesses for Uno, which was great. We get to see. Yep. Um, I think we we've got Spock as a witness. We've got Leon as a witness, and a very very touching one with Leon as a witness, right? Because Una saved Leon, and yeah. <laughs> and and River is contributing. River is also contributing my golden retriever to the discussion too, but, but uh, yeah, very, very good montage. And then another like comic, a nice comic relief with Spock on the stand too. And, and when he's asked, did you ever sense that uh, Una was hiding something from you? And Spock said, yes, I sensed that she was hiding something from me, from me. She said, Oh, really? And her, uh, what yeah, the, tension, of... the, t- the tension gets really thick there right yeah yeah love of like certain musicals so that was good yeah he said that uh she had it she had been hiding it that she had an affinity for gilbert and sullivan musicals right ah uh, <laughs> yes yes that was really funny yeah. um yeah and and even dr mbenga uh i thought added some light heart uh, you know some some additional you know care there as he's as he's speaking on the stand um Leon, however, was able to successfully lie, right? She lied about knowing that that Una was uh, Illyrian. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure, right, from season one that she she knew, she found out that she was Illyrian, right? It was during that battle with the Gorn, I think, right? And she found out how she that she was able to heal and that I think she, she told her that she was Illyrian or she had that ability or something. Oh, I get, that's a great point. I got to go back and watch that part too uh, regarding leon uh, there are some other things with <clears throat> with leon that you may be able to help explain someone was asking leon like hey your last name is like really you know really fam- familiar you know are you related to Khan?" and and leon's like yes i'm related to Khan." Uh, and i'm trying to remember who leon was talking to but it was something like hey, it was Cap- i think it was captain patel who was patel. who was cross-examining them yeah Okay. Uh, oh, it was our conversation with Nira, where Nira says, Are you, "You do you feel like you're carrying uh, some of the the augments within you because of your your relationship?" I'm not sure if that was the exact word, but carrying some of the traits. Maybe it was that. 
carrying some of the traits with you. So um, in that conversation, it got me confused a little bit about Leon because now my understanding is Leon is not an aug augment at all. Um, no, I, as far as we know, she's not. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. I mean, obviously, if she if, if there's something because she's a descendant, if there's something about her that would be in some way augmented, that would then affect her ability to be in Starfleet. Right. But then with with the trial of Una, maybe that would change things. But as far as we know, there has not been um, any word that she is genetically modified. Although you kind of make an assumption that maybe she in some way is, just from the sheer fact she's a, a descendant of Khan. Yeah. So that'll be interesting to see how that develops. I like Leon's. Um, this is what I noticed in this episode with Leon. She has this great kind of a side look. So she'll be looking <laughs> to. You know, she won't look like directly at, at some. She'll just kind of give this side side glance, and it's great look to see. And it, it portrays like her inner thinking, and it also portrays like some skepticism on her part about the the circumstance. So I like I like that. Yeah, uh, Christina Chong has got quite the. Uh uh the quite the look yeah right like she's got some piercing eyes that can just stare right through you yeah, yeah. you're absolutely right on that one so we do have una eventually una takes the stand and yeah so i think that is uh some of the great parts of this episode where we've got the back and forth about una and we learn that we learn more about the past between nira and and una in that uh, Una, you know, kind of decided they started to live in different cities, the non-Illyrians and the Illyrians, which was interesting. And then Una could, Una and her family could fit in with the non-Illyrians. So they moved and they never saw each other again. So I thought yeah. well, that was, that was interesting. They kind of you know, now that I'm thinking about it, Chris, yeah, if Leon is a descendant of Khan, she has to be carrying something. She's got to be carrying some some form of genetic modification markers in her, in her genes. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it just, it would, it would make, it would not make any sense if she wasn't. Yeah. So in that regard, her and Una are, you know, they definitely share that in common, I would say. Yeah, I agree with that. That's the case. Sorry. That just kind of popped in my head. I'm thinking about that. I'm like, you know, she's, if she's a descendant of Khan, she should have something. She should be carrying something. Yeah, so how did she make it through and get admitted to Starfleet? Good question. Yeah. Maybe we'll find that out. Maybe we will. Maybe because... it'll be another trial. No, hope that. <laughs> I hope they don't do that. One trial is enough. We don't need another one, but. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, one trial. Yeah, one trial is enough. Yeah. Or but, one trial but, per season or a couple seasons. Yeah, right. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so we get uh, we, we, we get Una on the, on the stand, like you said. And um, this is where everything starts coming together i think right with the yeah. defense um you know una una talks about how her life was right you mentioned that they they her, her and her family picked up and left and that then they eventually divided the city into like non-illyrians and illyrians and her and her family chose to go to the other side and live with the with all of the non-illyrians yeah. To blend in, which I found that very fascinating. And that they worked very hard to blend in, not to be noticed. Um, 
I, I kind of thought about that and I'm like, you know, I think they, they had to have done that because they just wanted to be treated like everybody else. Right. They, they didn't, they didn't want to be because she mentioned right about how I think that they, they had, they moved once they started getting like a lot of like, you know, it, it, it for so many words, not death threats, but they, they started getting, getting picked on and yeah. calling like, I think she said something like Maudi or uh, a freak or something like that, whatever, right? People were making her feel like that. And now, mind you, this kind of stuff, I do not think would ever have been written about humans and life on Earth and things like that if Gene Roddenberry were still alive. Because remember, Gene Roddenberry's vision of the future, at least for humanity, was a utopia. Mm-hmm. This, this is one of many things that have taken place in Star Trek since Gene Roddenberry died, that has painted a picture that, you know what, the future might not be exactly a utopia that we think that, or that Gene Roddenberry's vision initially had it, right? I mean, DS9 was a prime example of that. Lots of examples in TNG as well. Um, and Voyager, all of them, right? All the series, all the series since Gene Roddenberry passed away, I think. This is another one of those, right? Where you're seeing, okay, so there was a lot of unrest on, I think it, she was on Earth, wasn't she? There uh, was a the, city some oh, that's a good you know, like where that city was yeah was it on earth i don't remember them saying i, I guess i assumed it was on earth i th- maybe it wasn't a, that's a good point i i didn't assume it was on earth i thought it was on a different planet so we we both i think we're both unclear on that we'll have to go back and see where it was yeah it, maybe a viewer will know and can help yeah us. yeah if you know let us yeah. know if it was earth somewhere else but but regardless right like the idea of non-Illyrians and Illyrians and like s- having to segregate, right? You think about like the, the, the civil rights mm, movement in the 1960s yeah. and all that and this idea of segregation. And, there, and so Star Trek's talking about this again, right? They talked about it in, in Toss and they talk about it now and this idea of, of segregation. So the Illyrians are being segregated against and they're having to, to move somewhere else. And, and her and her family have the courage to say, no, we're going to go live amongst the non-Illyrians because we, we just want to be part of the group um and so i find that find that interesting um it is and it's horrific at the same time yeah you know what a horrible thing to have to decide to do and what a horrible thing in the in the to have the two separate cities yeah and i believe there's a mention somewhere where una mentioned about a regret leaving and moving to the other part of the city because i think that's where her and nira's friendship was and then they moved and they, their friendship, you know. So I think that kind of ties back to that. Very interesting story when when Nira asks about why she wants to be in Starfleet, you know, this 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 organization that is discriminating against her. And and she talks about being younger, right? And some some Starfleet people coming and her, her seeing the uniforms and being inspired by them. Um, it's kind of a tale as old as time in that regard. Uh and so um, she also tells a story about a, a boy who, whose genetic modifications were exposed when he was only 10 and his entire family was arrested. Yeah. And so we get into this idea of discrimination. We get this an idea of segregation. We also get this idea of separation. Right. And you think about like, even in like the 1940s when, uh, when Japanese Americans were wrongfully put into uh you know internment camps for lack of better words right yeah um because of 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 public distrust or you know whatever excuse they use at the time 
Um, and so you kind of think about it like this, like they didn't trust these these Illyrians. You know, they had genetic modifications. This this you think about the the eugenics wars is in the nineties, right? As far as the time of start of timeline. Now you're moving into what two hundred years later, and you still have this idea of fear from something that people maybe don't understand or fear because of a particular event. So you can see the eugenics wars are still having an effect hundreds of years later. That's how bad the eugenics wars was. Yeah, they said, was, was it 100 million people that died yeah. in, in the eugenics war? It was bad, right? Yeah. I mean, it was it was, it was was bad. And, uh, you know, Khan and his, his people tried to rule the planet and in doing so killed a lot of people in the process made a lot of things bad and this is this is pre-world war three as far as the timeline in star trek goes mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. one of the other things that i liked what una said with the visiting starfleet officers was she said hey i saw these i saw starfleet visit and these people were all from different backgrounds and they were working together and that you know that inspired her she said i want to be part of that where I could be accepted in this group. And that's a good point. Yeah. You know, so, um, cause that brings up Una's love of Starfleet. She's in love with this ideal, right? She says, which is the title of, uh, the episode and which was Starfleet's, uh, motto at the time, which I th again, I think is a beautiful motto that add Astra per Aspera to the stars through difficulty. And Una's in love with that ideal and inspired her to join star trek star trek inspired her to join <laughs> inspired her to join um starfleet despite oh that was that was know. perfect chris that was perfect i love it we'll put that in the blooper reel we should i've been like awake so long i've been in so many meetings today it's epic <laughs> yeah so so um but i like that in in terms of so we know that una is an idealist and we learn that it has been so difficult for her to be in this organization that she loves, but she's been hiding this aspect about herself. Um, you know, and then it, that goes that goes round around um, be, with Nira because Nira is uh, is trying to figure out who you know who told Starfleet that um, she was Illyrian. So I didn't expect it. I did not expect it to come out where. Una would say, "Hey, I told, I turned myself yeah, she turned herself in, yeah, yeah, yeah." Did you? Ex it caught me by a surprise, but did you? Um, yeah, I was a little surprised. Uh, there was a part of me that's like, "Well, what if she did it herself?" Then you're like, "Well, why would she do that to herself?" And I think it's it's this idea of her, her, her idea that um, you know, she she's just sick of of not being who she is. She's Illyrian. Right. And she doesn't want to have to continue to lie about that. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, I, I found that I found that fascinating um, that that she did that and, and that she but yet that and I think Nira even brings us up. Right. That she's like, then why do you still want to serve in Starfleet? I mean, th th this is toxic. Right. This idea that you're going to work for an organization that d that doesn't want anything to do with you. Um, really? In this case, because of something she has no control over, which is the fact of this side, genetic modification as part of their culture. Mm -hmm. um, 
And so also, I think Nira makes a good point as as the, the trial begins to wind down and then and Nira goes into this really long, beautiful explanation where she pulls out the code. Actually, before we do that, mm-hmm. what we really should do is is not skip over the the Vulcan Admiral who says, oh, it's all all kidding uh, yeah. aside, you yeah. know, like let's let's not get over our emotions. And then she he, he pins her down, basically, metaphorically speaking, and says, you know, how long's your captain known? Yeah, and just pretty much road grades the 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 Captain Pike, and so she she and he's like, you know, you're under oath, which is always the go to, right? You're un- don't forget, you're under oath, and so she says, yeah, on this star date, and that was like four months ago, and so now it comes into question about Pike, right, and his his loyalties and 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 his um, ethics and his ability to be a captain and make make the right decisions and all that. So that was an that was an important thing, and at the time, but. Uh, what did you think, Chris, of that final kind of speech as, as Nira brings up this idea about, well, okay, uh, if Captain Pike had had granted her asylum and she had requested asylum, then this is not a thing anymore, you know, and kind of makes this idea that, well, if we're going to uphold the law, we got to uphold all the law. And there's this there's this law rule out there, law out there that allows this. She kind of finds like a a way around it, right, in order to keep you know, all this from being the case. I thought it was pretty awesome. Yeah. It's a, maybe a yeah. reason why Pike is, uh, cons- you know, Pike has said that she's, you know, she's best in the galaxy. He does say that, doesn't he? Yeah. thought it was pretty awesome that she could, cause it, 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 it looked like she was doing that. I mean, it was obviously something she had thought about, um, and I know, and I know they're acting it out, but it, but it looked, it looked like they, upon her realization, with Una on the stand, and upon her realization of what Una was saying, that hey, I was, I feel like I was, I, I was in fear, and I was persecuted, and I was, um, I wanted to join Starfleet for its ideals, and then I was, I turned myself in, essentially. That so Nira was able to find that particular law or go right direct to the particular law and then have Battelle, Battelle, Captain Battelle read it, right? Yeah. That was just great. Yeah, it was uh a a master's class in in practicing law, I think, in in, in this situation, right? Mm-hmm. Um I thought it was great. So obviously uh the trials concluded by the the judges saying, yeah, you know what? Um yeah, we're gonna we're gonna drop the charges against against uh una um based on this idea of asylum and i thought that was good i mean you think about it right were they you kind of knew she was going to get get a i say get away with it but like that they weren't going to send her to prison because the idea that what you're going to have the first officer of the ship spend half a season or the rest of the season in some kind of federation penal colony Mm -hmm. or uh, or multiple episodes i don't see i didn't see that happening so i you kind of knew going into it that because of these solo episodes right that she's probably not going to be convicted right and uh or, or or i should say sentenced anyways with anything um so she's able to stay in starfleet because of the asylum seeking and then she transports back to the enterprise and uh some smiles and yeah clapping and she's back and get you know what are you guys doing you got stuff to do around here whatever and then that hug that pike gives her <laughs> is was at first a little awkward mm-hmm. 
just because he was like, okay, yeah, I'm going to hug you. But it was very heartfelt. And I think it's because he he really does care for her, not in a romantic way, but he cares for her as a member, uh, like a member of family would. Yeah. I liked the hug. So, yeah, I was going to, I was curious what your thoughts were on that, on that moment. It was a nice touch. It felt uh, very, it felt genuine, felt authentic. It felt like, yeah, that's something Pike would do. He's just, Pike is just very much, like I said, like we said before, he's the, the boy scout uh, archetype that tries, always tries to do the right thing, cares so much for his people. Yeah, absolutely would do that. I don't know that he's a big hugger. Maybe that's why the hugging was a little awkward. Because <laughs> I mean, does does he come across as a hugger to you? I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe maybe not. I guess it depends on how you look at it. But I mean, I think I think he's got all those traits and qualities. But I don't necessarily think he's a mm-hmm. hugger. Uh, so that could be why. But okay. So we look back at this episode as a whole, and where where do you kind of place it? As we we look we we put out some of those other trials episodes and court martial episodes, and uh. where would you kind of place this in there? You know, would you place it if you if you if you were going through and ranking those episodes we talked about? Would you place it somewhere at the top, mm. middle, bottom? Like where would you just? It doesn't have to be anything specific. Just kind of a general like like how do you see this racking and stacking versus so many of the other moments that star trek has had similar to this episode that is a great question i this is an initial response so this might change yeah 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 um i would not put it at the top um it would definitely i'm not maybe it'll be somewhere around in in the in the middle or near the top third um because the ones I, I have in the top of my mind, those are the ones with, uh, with Picard. Um, you know, certainly the ones of, of Measure of a Man with Picard and certainly like the, the drum, Drumhead yeah. one we were talking about. Drumhead, which I think is very, very similar to this one. Yeah. Um, uh, but Picard's ability to speak to the ideals and principles of the law i feel in drumhead were just just amazing and I, and I loved that and you know he was able to turn that back on on the starfleet it's my so that's my initial reaction right now would not be would not be at the bottom um nor the top maybe in that top third in the this middle. is great yeah. yeah so this is a gr- great question i'll keep thinking about it too but that's that's my gut right now how what about you yeah, I I would probably say like you know if you're doing like it in thirds like top third middle third bottom third I, yeah. I'm probably bottom of the middle third somewhere in there, mm-hmm. um just because you're right there's some really good episodes uh in in Star Trek in in the past that have dealt with this I mean we can't you know I I would hate to forget the episode court martial right from Toss that kind of yeah. kicks all this off and by the way yeah those 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 dress uniforms with the uh, with the uh, ribbons of the medals that they have on there that are similar uh, design pattern to toss. I thought was a great touch um, in, in harkening back to that. I loved, I, some people I've, I've read online didn't like them. I actually really liked the, the uh, dress uniforms from this strange new worlds episode. I liked nice. them quite a bit. I thought they were really classy. They looked good. They didn't look too outlandish or too, you know, way off in left field from what tosses look like. So I thought it was a good mix. The 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 costume designer for for Strange New Worlds has been amazing so far. I don't remember yeah. her name, but 
been really, really fantastic. So yeah, I'd say like bottom middle third, because for me, like you said, measures, the measure of a man, the drum head are definitely up there uh, for me. Tribunals up there as well mm. with O'Brien and, and seeing how the, the, the Cardassian court system or lack thereof works. <laughs> uh but in general i would say uh somewhere in that range yeah nice i think we're thinking up pretty similarly i mean beautiful beautiful yeah. set design um yeah uniforms beautiful like like you said and you mentioned and you pointed out but this was yeah for strange new worlds you know this was probably the this was the trial episode that they needed for the strange new world series so yeah and you know if you think about it right the, you, you look at I was reading an article about this and I don't remember exactly where it was from. Otherwise I would quote it, but they mentioned something about um, typically you see these types of episodes in a show that's been, that's matured a little bit more like it's had more. Mm -hmm. Whereas like strange new worlds has only had, well, this is like the 12th episode. Uh, so I thought that, that the fact that this was, was, was pretty good and it was only the 12th episode in, says something i think about the series as a whole um you know when you saw some of the other stuff you were you were many more episodes in like measure of a man i think since season two but you back then they had 20 plus episodes a season mm -hmm. so uh i found that an interesting interesting take right this is a type of an episode you would see on a on a, on a show that's had more time to mature as far as more episodes and so forth yeah i agree and I do like that they, the creators and the writers are going, they are acknowledging that this type of episode is important to put in the yeah. series and saying, hey, this is an episode that needs to be in there. This is, this is important. So that is great. Um, yeah, it's doing what Star Trek does best, like yeah. you said, right? It's telling stories and it's, it's challenging things, right? Yeah. Um, I think that's important to recognize and important to keep in mind. Uh, when you watch Star Trek is that if if you are watching it and you are really digging into what it's getting after, it's talking about uncomfortable things and uncomfortable topics that a lot of people don't want to talk about. Some people want to talk about all the time. <laughs> uh, others somewhere others somewhere in between, you know, and so I think it's but I think if we're going to be better as humans, I think we have to have these discussions and figure out how we get better and not just talk about it, but actually do it. Yes. So, um, th this this was this was a good one though. I thought um, what was it was any predictions for the next episode? I think it's going to be a, the next episode will be much different than this one. But any predictions? Uh, predictions? Um, yeah, I th I, th I think there we kind of talked about this before, right? Like yeah. they're probably some form of of uh, going somewhere and and exploring something. Because right the the first episode where we had that we had Kajitar four, but they didn't really explore necessarily. Mm. In this episode, they're not yeah. exploring anything. They're on they're on Earth, right? They're they're at the the Judge Advocate General's office. So I, I'm 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 gonna guess it's going and going exploring something. Uh, I prefer if they explore more more of Leon. That'd be nice. I'd be okay with that. <laughs> um, but besides that, uh, uh, yeah, going somewhere and exploring. What about you? Yeah, I think it'll be an exploration, an exploration one. Um, maybe some, some more action. Yeah, do just we, do we get yeah. do we get the Gorn again in, in episode three of season two? I don't know. They're going to save that for later. I'm not sure. Maybe they should save that for later. Yeah, 
you know. I'm hoping at some point we're going to get some more Hemmer, like in flashbacks or something, right? Like I want to yeah. see Hemmer again. Because yeah. I think there's that there was rumors by the showrunners that that was going to probably, you know, most likely be a thing. So let's see it. Come on. <laughs> yeah, you're right. And maybe we'll see more of that Len- the Lanthanite. Yeah, Commander Pelia. Yeah. Well, that might happen. And, or, or maybe we'll actually get an episode where Pike's in more than five minutes of it. <laughs> <laughs> he is the captain after all. So, um, yeah. yeah, lots of lots of possibilities here as we as we head towards season or episode three of uh, season two uh, coming next week at the time of this recording. Um, but yeah, all right. Well, that's that's it for us, you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in and watching or listening to us on your favorite podcast platform. We do appreciate it. We thank you. Uh, we hope you enjoy these deep dives as we go episode by episode through Star Trek Strange New World Season 2. Uh, and we look forward to, um, I think it comes out in August, Chris, doing an episode by episode review of Ahsoka. There should yes. be some great stuff in there, including the live action on screen debut of Grand Admiral Thrawn. We've been we've been teased that. So look forward to that. Um, I have been diving into myself, Chris. I've been diving into... Ooh, Heir of the Empire, which is the oh. intro, the intro of Grand Admiral Thrawn. Thrawn, that is that is his origin book in the original expanded universe Star Wars before Disney got their their grasp on it. Okay, I need to read that. Yeah, I want yeah. to read that. It's too. the first in the first in the in the trilogy Timothy Zahn wrote that where Grand Admiral Thrawn shows up. So. Um, kind of starting to read that. I'm probably not going fin- to. I'm not, probably not going to finish it by then. But starting to read that in anticipation for Ahsoka with Grand Admiral Thrawn and all. There's all those other Thrawn books too. But um, I'll check that out. I I've been reading. Um, is that upside down? No, it's not upside no. down. I've been reading Superman Up in the Sky. Uh, right. This is another uh, another Tom King written graphic novel. Nice. I think he's going to be Tom King is like one of my favorite graphic uh, comic graphic novel authors is great so yeah recommend it yeah so uh once again if this is your first time or returning please be sure to go on facebook and instagram and like us and follow us there for more upcoming content and by the way we cannot wait for you to see our interview with my dear dear friend natalia Nogalich as uh you know you may know her as admiral alana necheyev uh coming out very very soon so be sure to stay tuned for that um it should actually be out tomorrow as at the, as the time of this airing. Uh, so be sure to stay tuned for that. We cannot wait for you guys to see that. It was a wonderful time we had with her and uh, lovely woman. Absolutely amazing woman. And actually, I got her book today in the mail. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. So I remember she, she was going to send us one. I, yes. couldn't, I couldn't believe it. Yep. And she even signed it in there for me. Oh, beautiful. So I think yours should be on the way too, I'd imagine, Chris. Oh, Wow. I got I got a I got a text her and let her know I I I got it. It um, was um, is extraordinary. Like yeah, she's she's extraordinary. It That's was extraordinary. Funny. Yeah, I can't wait to give her a big hug when I see her in Vegas in August, and hopefully you'll be able to make it out too for a couple of days. Yeah, and see it as well. But anyways, so that's it for us guys and uh, Chris. I look forward um to our review next week. Uh, with episode three of Strange New Worlds, as well as an incredible, I, I wish I could spoil this right now so badly. I want to spoil this mystery guest, inter- uh, uh, celebrity guest interview we have coming up um, next Sunday at the time of this recording. So that would be uh, Sunday. The, the episode will yeah. come out next Sunday, July 2nd, I think it will be. Uh, so right before the right before the 4th of July weekend uh, here in the United States. 
and um, we cannot wait. It might probably is our biggest guest yet, and we've had some amazing guests. So we we really can't wait to, to share that with you. And that will be that announcement will be coming out early next week at the time of this recording, uh, or the time of this airing. Um, and we cannot wait to share that with you. It'll be awesome. I know, Chris, we're both super excited for it. Yeah, it it's it's very humbling to have this, you know, have these privileges. Yeah, um, and to be taking part in this it's just it's amazing and it's great to meet these people that have created these beautiful universes that we love and this is gonna it will be wonderful absolutely yeah. wonderful yeah it really is you know because um uh, the people that come on with us they they don't have to take time out of their busy schedules mm-hmm. to come talk to us but they do and we we uh, are over the moon appreciative of it um we love having conversations people getting to getting to know more about them getting to learn about them and their life and their career we would not talk about just star trek or whatever role or whatever thing they're famous for most famous for we like to talk about all of it we like to learn about all of it and learn you know quite a bit about who they are where they came from their family their lives all those types of things it's just a wonderful time that we do that we did that with natalia and we'll mm-hmm. be doing that with our next guests and the other guests we've had on so it'll be a wonderful time it sure will my friend Yes, it will. Yes, absolutely. So yeah. So thanks again for watching and listening all over the interweb (laughs) and the globe. We do appreciate it. And we'll catch you next time right here on the Random Redshirt Podcast.